How are you out there? I'm just waiting. It was, it was a lot of mumbling. I'm just waiting to see what happens. We got uh, this on? Yeah, okay. Must be an echo in my head. Well, we are in 2 Corinthians, spending time in that book, uh, enjoying all of what God tucked in there through the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul for us. We're in chapter 7, I'm going to look at verses 12 through 16 tonight. So let's thank God for the Word. You know, the worship and the Word work together. Amen. Worship prepares our hearts to receive the Word, amen. So I'm praying that our hearts were plowed up and tilled up and there's good soil to meet the seed because the Holy Spirit's going to put that seed down, amen. amen. So Father, we thank you tonight for the Word of God and for how you till up the soil of our heart, Lord, and how you make us ready to receive. Father, sometimes we're not even aware of what you're doing. You're planting in us. You're um, putting things in us that are going to produce a harvest down the road, Lord. And sometimes it doesn't look like anything's growing, but beneath the surface, there's work being done. There's seed that's ready to explode and bear fruit. So, Father, we pray that uh, this would come alive to us tonight, Lord, that Father, you'd help me to deliver it in a way that we could all receive tonight. And Father, that each of us would take home a deposit from you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12. So although I wrote you, it was not for the sake of the offender, nor for the sake of the one offended, but that your earnestness in our behalf might be made known to you in the sight of God. Because of this, we have been conformed, con, we have, can someone, thank you. I knew my wife would help me if I cried out for help. Because of this, we have been comforted, and besides our comfort, we rejoice even much more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if I have boasted to him about you regarding anything, I was not put to shame. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, so also our boasting before Titus proved to be the truth. His affection abounds all the more toward you as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that in everything I have confidence in you. And we'll stop there. And Paul again is connecting with the Corinthians. Remember, this is a crazy, wild, carnal, worldly church. And uh, they were saved out of a, a riotous lifestyle. And sometimes the process for certain people takes a while for them to be delivered of all the old nature. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Some people, you know, they're close to the kingdom and they just kind of get saved and slip in. Some people are way out there. Yeah. Come on, don't look at me like that. Yeah. Say way out there. Yeah. Don't raise your hand, but some of us were way out there. You know what I'm saying? And the Corinthians were, and, you know, it, it's a process, and God is patient with us. Let me say that again. God is patient with us. So be patient with one another. Be patient with yourself. You ever get frustrated with yourself? You ever look in the mirror and say, I want to talk to the manager? Yeah, he is working in us, and he's doing it at, at the pace that will produce a finished product, and he knows the constraints and the time and all of that, and he's got it well in hand. In the last part of chapter 7, Paul takes the time to reveal the motives or the inner workings 
the outcome of the interaction he has with the Corinthians here. He's had to correct some things. He's had to bring some things back into alignment. And he's kind of just recapping and uh, digging in beneath the service and revealing his motives and the inner workings and the final outcome. It's good for us to take the time to identify the fruit of what God's doing in and around us. It should be both an encouragement to us and an opportunity for us to evaluate and to refocus. You know, the holiday times for a lot of people are a time of evaluation. And when New Year's rolls around, it's a time of refocus. You know, a lot of people are in the hustle and bustle now. And people do a lot of thinking during the holiday seasons. That's why there's a lot of people who are discouraged and depressed and feel disconnected. But, uh, you know... It's good for us as Christians to do what I call, you know, being introspective. How many have heard that word introspection? It's, it's looking within. And we should be introspective. And Paul's being introspective a little bit here. He's kind of given a, a rundown of what's occurred and the fruit that it's produced. And, you know, it's a time for the Corinthians maybe to take a look inside and to be introspective and to evaluate themselves. But, you know, it, it suggests to us during a time like this and, you know, Towards the new year, people do this all the time. They think about what a hot mess they are, and they, they put a whole bunch of promises that they're going to be different in this next year. And then now everybody looks depressed. But it's good for us to look inside. It's good for us to evaluate the, mo- the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual progress we've made. How many of us really take the time to sit down and evaluate, you know, how we're doing? used to have a pastor friend of mine who used to always say, how goes it with your soul? It was kind of weird at first. He was, you know, you look at him like, how goes it with what? But then you would get what he was saying is like, how you doing spiritually? Where are you at? Are you, are you excited? Are you encouraged? Are you driving forward? Are you shrinking back? Are you backsliding? Are you going back to the old ways? So introspection, kind of a, a rundown here. Verse 12 zeroes in on the progress uh, that, you know, and Paul's purpose in confronting the disarray in the church. He's made progress with them and they've come and they've borne fruit, but he zeroes in on why he had to confront the mess that was there. There was disarray in the Corinthian church and Paul, he digs into it and, and he, he does it. And he says here in verse 12, not for the sake of the offender. So there were people who were out of line that got back in line, but he didn't correct them just because they needed to cre- be corrected. And it wasn't for the sake of the offender. Now, the main thrust of the epistle wasn't to set straight those who were out of order. A lot of times we just like to set people straight, don't we? Give them a piece of our mind in traffic, using hand signals. Can we get real on Wednesday night? Yelling, pointing, windows down. You ever had that going by? You're trying to read their lips? Wow. <laughs> Setting people straight. 
giving people a piece of our mind. He says, it was not for the sake of the offender. This epistle wasn't just to, you know, straighten out the crooked people and, and get the things back into order, you know, like some kind of angry, aggressive di- directive from leadership uh, to embarrass the few who were questioning Paul's apostolic authority. No, that wasn't the thrust of the epistle. That's not why this letter was written. Now, correction, while necessary, doesn't usually need to happen at the collective level when it can be handled at the personal level. Think about what I'm saying. You know, if if someone in the congregation is out of order and it's one person, I don't need to preach a sermon from the pulpit to the entire congregation. Come on. You guys look really serious now. You know, and I've seen, I've seen people do that. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, two people were gossiping, so now we're going to do a series on gossip for 18 weeks. <laughs> when you, you shouldn't handle something collectively that can be handled individually. Can I tell you the truth? Correcting people in that form, usually the people who need the correction are either not there that day or they don't get it. Right. And they're like, yeah, amen, amen. Who's it? <laughs> Who's that for? Who's that? Yeah, somebody in here, somebody. It's not me. It couldn't be me. So you don't do things like that as a leader. You know, people say, did you preach that for me? No, I don't preach it. I don't preach it for individuals. We preach what the Holy Spirit puts in our mouth. This is what Paul put in him, and he penned it down, and he wrote it to the church. But it wasn't to correct just the offender. It wasn't just to correct a few people who were out of order. This epistle was for the entire church and for the entire body of Christ for that day and forevermore. It's God's living word, amen. This is just as relevant to us here today as it was to the Corinthians when Paul penned this. So understand some things about correction. You know, when people need to be corrected, when you need to confront someone, don't be, you know, don't, don't just kind of do it in a broad way. Don't, don't do it, say it to everybody. You know, there's something going on in your home and you yell at everybody and it was one person. How many, when you were in class as a student, you know, a few kids did something bad and the teacher just rips the whole class to shreds. Come on, you ever been there, Ricky? We were always the ones that, we were perfect, right? So we, we were like, man, why do we have to listen to this? So understand that's not what this is about. And it, con- and it continues here. It says, it's not for the sake of the offender, nor for the sake of the one offended. Who's Paul talking about when he says that? He's talking about himself. Paul was the one that was offended. They're the ones that rebelled against his authority. When you're in spirit, uh, leadership, you have spiritual authority and people rebel against it. You know, th- that's something that is kind of, you know, a, a stumbling block for leadership. When you have people who challenge God-given authority. And if you don't handle that correctly, you can wind up pulling up the wheat with the tares. You can wind up giving everybody a collective beating when you needed to talk to a certain few people. Following me tonight? And still, everybody looks horrified. I'm not mad at anybody. But understand, he's saying it was not for the offender, nor for the offended. And Paul's saying, I'm not just doing this because, you know, someone offended me or someone, you know, was out of line with me. This is not self-serving. I'm not doing this because I was irritated or my ego was bruised. No, that's not the apostle Paul. And that's not the way we should roll either. We should never do things out of a bruised ego. We should never do things out of being angry or irritated. You know that old thing about count to 10? Some of us have to count to like 10,000. 
but it's worth doing. I'm telling you what, because a few words in anger or a few words when you're, you know, I mean, you can shatter years of consistency and respect with people with just a few words out of anger. Sometimes the right thing to say is nothing. Paul, you know, he's like, this is not for the sake of the offended. This is not me, you know, letting you guys have it. I'm not irritated. My ego's not bruised. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to dress you guys down. See, Paul was a humble guy, and he was flesh and he was human, so I'm sure some of the stings for him here to have people challenging who he was and questioning his authority. But be very careful about doing anything that's self-serving. Anybody? You know, and what does the world say? Do everything that's self-serving. It's all about you. Even in marriage, it's all about you. Even in family, it's all about you. And we've got to be careful about doing anything that's self-serving, that's self-aggrandizing in the name of the Lord. Amen? This is God's kingdom. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We're to lift up Jesus, amen? So anything we do that's self-serving is suspect. Anything we do that's self-aggrandizing, that puffs us up. Ever been around people who like to puff themselves up? Just let them talk, and the next thing you know, they're telling about how wonderful they are. And that's not Paul, and it never was Paul. He, he was a humble guy, even though he had reason to even be proud or boastful. In fact, he lists his credentials at some points when he's talking to, to people. But he said, what, I count that all as dung, that it might obtain Christ. And so we have far too many self-promoters in our world. We have far too many self-promoters in the church and it's our job as believers to promote Christ and the kingdom of God, and that's it. All right, you can see I'm not getting any traction on this. So we're going to continue here. He says, uh, so it wasn't for the offender, and it wasn't for the offended, but that your, that your earnestness on our behalf might be made known to you in the sight of God. This is pretty loaded here. Uh, it's interesting what he's saying here. So this is the reason why the letter came. Uh, remember, we, we defined earnestness the last time we were together. And he says, it was for your earnestness on our behalf. So what does earnestness mean? The sincere desire to, cor to correct the direction of one's life through repentance and to get on track. You're taking notes today. That's a great thing to write down. God is looking for earnestness in us. What is that? It's a sincere desire to correct the direction of our lives when we've gotten off track to get back on track. When God looks and says, oh, you, you're, you're broken. You're repenting. You, you want change, and you really want to be right with me. Those are prayers, and those are postures that God can really bless. See, you can come to church all the time. You can come to church every Sunday. You can come to church Wednesday and, and, and not have a desire to really change and sit and listen to the word and to continue to do your own thing that's outside of the will of God. It's amazing to me that there are some churches where you could sit there in sin forever and never feel any conviction. That's not full gospel center, and that's why we got a lot of empty seats. Because when you preach the truth and you lay it out week after week, if you're just playing games, you're not going to last here. It's just, it, 
And I, we've known that for years. It's always been that way. Before I was pastor, it's just that's the nature of this place. It's what God's birthed it for. It's for people who really want to be serious with the Lord. It's for people who are broken and want to be put back together again. And she says, it's for your, I've seen your earnestness here and it's for your earnestness, that desire to, to be correct and to go in the right direction and to be right with me, to get on track. So the main thrust here was to get the Corinthians to see how they landed in a spiritually solid place. Remember, these guys are a little out there, but they're growing in the Lord. They were corrected, now they repented. And so he, he wants them to see in the Holy Spirit, their earnestness, the fact that they did the right thing and they made the right choice. And because of it, they've landed in a good place spiritually. And this is to build up their confidence and to let them feel the affirmation of God upon their lives. You see, when we do the right things and we land in the right place and the blessing of God hits us and we feel the affirmation of God in our lives, that's all we really ever need because it's so satisfying to our soul, amen? Doesn't matter, if we're doing the wrong things and everybody, we fooled everybody and they all think we're great, oh, you're terrific, you're wonderful. But God's up in heaven going. See, when God smiles on us and we feel it, that's all we need. And it's the earnestness here. And Paul, you know, in the Holy Spirit, wanted them to feel it. They, they did the right thing. They landed in the right place. And he wanted them to feel the affirmation of God in their lives. It's one thing to know you've done well or that you've pleased others, but it's much better to know that you've pleased God. In fact, that's got to be enough for us. People pleasers are never happy. Why? Because somebody's always unhappy with your performance. Oh, I got to make everybody happy, and I got, I got 9 out of 10, but this person is mad at me. So it's exhausting. You know what? This sounds, this sounds like ruthless, but you know what? Just ignore the 10 and please God. And when he smiles on us, that's all we need. Knowing we're right with God has to be enough for us, even if everyone else is mad at us. <laughs> I think of the prophets in the Old Testament. I had mentioned, uh, I've been studying the prophets and looking at the lives of people like Jeremiah. Do you know when Jeremiah did exactly what God told him to do, everybody was mad at him? They wanted to lock him up. They wanted to kill him. The kings would hear his prophecy and they would lock him up in the stocks. Anybody know what stocks are? Okay. You know them things they lock you up in your head sticking out like this? Well, that's your reward for doing the right thing? Yeah, but Jeremiah wanted to please God more than he wanted to please people and was willing to suffer the outlandish abuse at the hands of the wicked just to do the will of God. And that's got to be enough for us too. So he said that your earnestness on our behalf, so you guys did the right thing, had the right attitude, you did it on our behalf, might be made known to you. Sometimes we just need to know that God is pleased with us. You know, many times people in the body look at other people and see progress in their life and think, man, that's just great. God is, God is really blessing them. God's really moving in their life. If I see, you know, Tony's doing something and God's blessing him and everything, and, 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 I, and I'm sitting there and I don't say anything to Tony, but I'm just like, man, that's, Tony's really growing in the Lord. But Tony doesn't know it and Tony doesn't feel it. Do you see the disconnect there? As a good brother in the Lord, I should encourage him verbally. 
you know, compliments and encouragement don't pass through osmosis. May, you know, maybe if I just get close to Tony. Let, do you feel that? Do you feel? No, we got to verbalize things to each other. You're doing good. You're doing great. I see growth in you. You got a good attitude. You, you, I see the fruit of the spirit. We, you know, I'm not saying say it if you don't see it. You know, don't faith it. I mean, be honest. But encourage one another. See, and then sometimes people don't realize how they're growing. Or, and you can help them see it. And then you can help them feel the affirmation of God. So this is important stuff for the body of Christ. We can all do better with that stuff. So verse 13 shows the trickle-down effect of pleasing the Lord. <laughs> it says, because of this, because of what? Because you guys were earnest and you wanted to do the right things and you landed in the right place. Because of this, we have been comforted. And besides our comfort, we rejoice even much more for the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. You know, you know Paul was Southern. He said, you all have refreshed Titus. And you know, this is what I call the trickle-down effect of pleasing the Lord. I want to tell you something, and the devil's a liar about this. He'll, he'll say to you, you can sin, and no one's going to know, and it's only going to affect you, and, and, and God will forgive you, so you might as well do it. But here's what I want you to know about sin. We don't sin in a vacuum, and we don't produce good fruit in a vacuum either. What do I mean by that? When we sin, there's a ripple effect of sin. It touches everyone that touches us. And, and the same thing is true about when we do good works and produce spiritual fruit. We don't do that in a vacuum either. Both our sin and our good works affect others around us. So there's a trickle-down effect of these guys pleasing the Lord. Pleasing the Lord brings a satisfying affirmation of God upon our lives, and it also blesses all those that are around us. When you and I are right with God, the blessing of God flows to us and through us. Oh, you got to get this tonight. Come on, Wednesday. I know you're thinking about your Christmas shopping list and who, who you didn't get a present for yet, but just, just get this tonight. You and I, when we do the right things, we can be a blessing to others. When we're not right and we're, you know, we're not right with God and, and there's nothing flowing to us and, and we're getting dry, everyone around us feels it too. Understand, you know, this trickle-down effect of how, you know, us being right with God and being earnest and, and, and bringing our lives into order is going to bless Everyone around us, our spouse, our children, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers. Christians who are right with God, God uses to bring light in dark places. Amen. Pleasing the Lord brings this satisfying affirmation to us, and it's contagious. It gets on us, and it gets on those who are around us. It blesses everyone who touches us. People who aren't happy when we're doing the right thing, listen, there's people when we do the right thing, they're not going to be happy with us. You know, and this is what I'm talking about, this trickle-down effect, this ripple effect. Yeah, we're blessed, and we become a blessing to those around us, but some people are just not going to be happy with us pleasing the Lord. I want to say something about that. Those people can never be allowed to be a priority to us. Please hear me tonight. Some of you are trying to please people that God, you would have to offend God to please them. 
well, you know, if I do this, this person's going to be upset with me. If I get serious with God and I quit doing that and quit going there and quit doing this, this group is going to be angry with me. Those people that are not happy when we're making God happy can never be a priority to us. Amen? We can love them. We can pray for them. But we can't please them over God. And so the minute we make them a priority, you know, I've seen this and I know you've seen it too and I know it rings true, but there's times where we're making all the wrong people happy and God is not happy with us. All our good time buddies and our friends and in the sinful places and stuff and oh, you know, oh, so-and-so's back, isn't it great? And God's like, So the priority has to be the Lord. That trickle-down effect will take place if we please God. If we please God, the outflow from our lives is going to bless the right people around us. The wrong people are going to be upset, but we can't allow that to affect us. You know what? Maybe we just need to keep plowing ahead, and maybe they'll get the message, and maybe they'll catch up, and maybe they'll get saved. But if they don't, we still got to serve the Lord and please the Lord and produce fruit. Amen. This is where the church has really gotten into trouble, what I'm talking about tonight, uh, right in this point here. You know, the church has gotten into a lot of trouble and a lot of compromise because we've become so accommodating to the world around us that we've, we've been willing to abandon the truth of God's word because it offends sinners. You know, you've all heard of the seeker-friendly movement. I think the seeker-friendly movement started off as a good idea. How do we make the gospel relevant to this generation and reach them? You know, but then some, somewhere in the process, a shift took place, and, and all of a sudden it became about making sinners feel comfortable at the expense of preaching God's truth. And then, you know, the places got so big and the churches got so big and the offerings got so big that leadership just decided, well, we all want to mess this up. Come on, can I just be real with you on Wednesday night? And now we've got churches that don't preach this anymore and they don't confront sin anymore. And there's people sitting in the congregation singing all the songs on the overhead who are going to split hell wide open when they die because they're religious and lost. They're spiritual but unconverted. Welcome to Full Gospel Center. So we want to make the gospel easy to understand, but we can't water it down. We want sinners to come in and feel comfortable and hear the the message and hear the gospel, but we can't leave out the truth of God's word to make them feel comfortable. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came to church and someone preached a message that made me uncomfortable. Because when I got uncomfortable, I began to get introspective like we're talking about. And then I began to look inside and the Holy Spirit began to open my eyes. And I, and I saw that I, I, I had a form of godliness, but I denied the power thereof. I was spiritual, but I was lost. I'm glad someone made me uncomfortable because it led to conviction that led to repentance that led to salvation. Amen? So realize this trickle down. You and I do the right things. The blessing of God's going to flow through us and touch all the right people. Yeah, it's going to make some people mad, but we can't let that bother us. 
So the church has gotten into trouble by trying to make sinners feel comfortable. But like, just like we talked about last time when we were in verses 8 and 9, Paul said, you know, I know that letter hurt you at first, and, and I felt bad about it at first, but I'm not sorry now. Why? Because you guys repented and did the right things, and I see the fruit of it, amen? So be willing to tell the truth in love. Be willing to hurt some feelings with the truth in the hopes that it will produce repentance that leads to godly sorrow, that leads to salvation. The Corinthians were affirmed by Paul and his team. They were comforted. Titus was joyful. Look at all the, look at all the fruit here. He said, besides our comfort, so Paul's comforter, we rejoice even more for the joy of Titus because of his, his spirit has been refreshed by you all. So look at this. This is a win-win-win. The Corinthians were comforted. Paul was comforted. Titus was comforted. And behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Amen. If we'll just do the right things and have the right heart and be earnest, God will bless us and everything around us. And that's what we see here. It's a win-win-win. Verse 14 is interesting in that the apostle is happy about the fact that Titus's interaction with the Corinthians lined up with his portrayal of him. Paul kind of sold Titus to them. Why? Because they don't know who Titus was, but they knew who Paul was. So Paul gives them a good reference, a good report. He sells Titus to them, and, and he sells the Corinthians to Titus, and he's like, oh, you're going to love them. They're great. And Titus, oh, he's wonderful. And, and then when they finally do meet and interact, it's just like he said. Now, now listen to this, verse 14. For if I have boasted to him about you regarding anything, it, it was not put to shame. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, so also our boasting before Titus proved to be the truth. So Paul was bragging about the Corinthians. He also sold uh, Titus to them saying, you know, this is who he is. Basically, he was talking Titus up. He was talking the Corinthians up. And what he said lined up with reality when they got together and bonded with each other. You know, isn't it great when you, you give someone a good recommendation and they live up to it? Have you ever given someone a recommendation or sold someone or talked someone up to someone and they totally made a liar out of you? Come on, think about this. We give a, a job recommendation. Oh, yeah, they're, they're sharp, they're smart, they're skilled, they're a good worker, they're, you know, they're hard worker, and then they get there and they underperform. I remember one time somebody said, oh, yeah, this guy's a hard worker, and he got on the job, and within a week, they let him go. And they were like, what happened? It's like, this, this kid's lazy. You went from talking him up, you know, oh, this is a hard, hard one, and then, you ever been there? And you think, man, I, I ain't recommending anybody for anything anymore. Paul talked Titus up. He talked the Corinthians up. You know, we introduce one friend to another and thinking, oh, they're both great. We've talked them up to each other. And when minutes, they're arguing. They're like, I hate that guy. We say, you know, oh, you know, we're meeting our new neighbors. And we're like, yeah, we have great children. And you turn around and the kids are fist fighting with each other on the, right in front of the house. Anybody? All right, so Paul talked them up. And he's happy that, you know, they lived up to what he said and it lined up with his portrayal of them. The bottom line is we have to be careful putting our seal of approval on anybody. Come on, Christians, our word is important. Turn to somebody and say, your word is important. 
you know, if I say this is a great person or this, uh, you know, and all of a sudden they turn out to be exactly the opposite of what I said, there goes my word, there goes my integrity, there goes, you know, people don't want to listen to what you have to say anymore. The bottom line is if you put your seal of approval on others, you know, people have the potential to make liars out of us and embarrass us. So we can't hype people up. We've got to be honest. It's quite an exposure for us to have to vouch for another person. You know, as a pastor, I have to give references all the time for people. You know, and they, oh, pastor, can you write me a reference to this? Can you, you know, can you sign this for me? Can you sign my pistol permit so I can chase you around the church with a gun, you know? <laughs> oh, Sure. And, you know, I, I, I'm always, when I always fill these things out, I always feel uh, you want to be charitable. You want to be gracious, right? But you got to be honest. And it's okay to say I don't know sometimes. You know, I'm bringing this out. It's practical stuff for us. I, I know Paul was bragging on them. He's bragging on Titus. Good, we get it, Pastor. But it boils down to us. If we're going to put our seal on somebody, we've got to be honest with them. We can be charitable, but we've got to be truthful. And, and if we don't know, say, I don't know. The most embarrassing thing for a leader is to vouch for someone who turns out to be a nightmare. So let's maintain our integrity. Let's maintain our word and our respect with people by being careful about who we vouch for. Uh, Paul was beyond thrilled that he was able to make this statement about both of these groups here. Verse 14, also our boasting before Titus proved to be the truth. And, you know, there again, it lends authenticity and, you know, just solidifies the fact that Paul is who he says he is. Verses 15 through 16, here we're going to try and bring this in for a landing. His affection abounds all the more towards you, Paul talking about Titus. So Titus met you guys, I talked you up, you guys hit it off, you blessed him, he blessed you, we're blessed, everybody's blessed. You know, it's just, it's a great, it's a great outcome here. His affection abounds all the more toward you as he remembers the obedience of you all and how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that in everything I have confidence in you. So, uh, you know, he closes down the chapter uh, and documents the Titus's affirmation and affection for the Corinthians. So, you know, he wanted the Corinthians to know how Titus felt about him. I'm sure they knew to a certain degree, but sometimes it, it helps to hear someone else respect you know, say, this is how a person feels about you. Um, it's such a healthy and necessary thing for leaders to have affection for those they're called to lead. Anybody hear that? That means I'm supposed to be fond of you guys. <laughs> and the good news is, it's easy to do. And I've said this, uh, I've been, you know, I've been in full-time ministry for 30 years. My wife and I have been here for 30 years, but we say this in private. We'll say it in public. We can't stand, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. We, you know, we love the people that we serve here. You say, I know most pastors don't last more than five years at a church. Well, I'm not good at math, but 30 is bigger than five, right? Is that? Yeah, you know, and you say, why is that? Because God has given us wonderful people to shepherd. So we, we love you guys, and we feel loved back by you. When I, when I see, when I listen to other pastors, I know most of the pastors in the Hudson Valley. I, I know they've told me about you guys that have come to this church from their church. They're like, Watch out for this one, you know. 
we threaten each other. We're going to send them to you if you don't watch it out. But anyways, you know, I hear what other pastors go through. And I've, I've sat there with my jaw open just listening to the abuse and some of the things that they've taken from people and board members and all this stuff. And I'm like, what? And I'm thinking, you know, part of me is offended for them. And then the other 90% of me is so grateful for the blessing of God, how he's been so good to Full Gospel Center. Amen. So look around today. You guys are a blessing. Paul wanted them to know Titus loves you guys. And he was blessed by you. And they, you know, th there's a reciprocation going back and forth. You know, when, when leaders feel loved by the people that they serve and the people who are being served feel loved by the leader, it's a God thing, amen. That's the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. Now, uh, there's always gonna be rough people to deal with, say rough people. Just look straight ahead right now. Um, I don't think any of them are here tonight. They come on Sunday usually. Once a month. So uh, there's, <laughs> there's, always, there's always difficult people. So what should we do with them, Pastor? Should we kick them out? No, we should love them. Amen. You know what I've learned? Titus and the Corinthians hit it off. That's great. But you know what I've learned? Sometimes people that you don't connect with, people that you butt heads with, people that you instantly find obnoxious. Anybody? Anybody, you're all pretending that you've never experienced this before. You ever just meet somebody and you're like, man, you know, this person's not for me. You know, I found out that in life that we need to give, a, give people a chance. Some people that initially rub you the wrong way could turn out to be in some of your closest friends, amen. I've met people, they walked into the visitor's room. I, my wife will know who I'm talking about. And they were obnoxious from day one. And you were just like, they were like, bah, 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 bah. and they were just like, well, what does your church do? And we're just sitting there like, I hope they don't come here. <laughs> they were just pushy and obnoxious and, you know, self-aggrandizing. And we did this and we did that. And blah, 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 blah. Oh but they turned out to be some great people that we connected with. And yeah, there was rough edges, but you know what? Quickly you learn to get past those things and you learn to love people for the things God's put in them, amen? So, you know, if you don't click right away with people, give them a chance. Thinking, no, I tried that last week and I'm, I'm running out the door. Next week, I'm running right for my car. When, when I feel you bringing it in for landing, I'm gone. Give... give Give people a chance. You never know. You never know. You know, some people are just insecure. They're, they, 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 you know, they, they don't feel comfortable. They have social anxiety. They're just awkward. And you got to give people a chance. But the Corinthians and Titus, they hit it off. So that was a good thing. And uh, having this love for one another in the body of Christ is so important. It's so powerful. Verse 16 shows how blessed Paul feels to be able to have confidence in this group of believers at Corinth. He says, I rejoice that in everything I have confidence in you. He's like, you guys were wild. You were out of control. I didn't know what you were going to do. And now you've fallen in line and you're doing the right things. And, and I actually have confidence in you now. That's a good thing. If you have people in your life that you can have confidence in, amen. You ever been, 
you ever been linked to somebody, maybe a, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, maybe a family member, I don't know, that you couldn't trust them? You didn't know on any given day what they were going to do? Anyone? Those people will drive you crazy. They'll give you anxiety. They'll make your hair fall out in clumps. Because when you got somebody that you just, they're a loose cannon and you don't know what they're going to do as a leader. Mm. Proverbs 25, 19 puts it this way. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. I love Proverbs. I think this stuff is funny. Some of you are going to like, just listen. Listen to this again. It's funny. Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. What does that mean? You can't trust them. They're a pain in the everywhere. Amen. They're, they're just, you know, you, you don't know what they're going to do. Paul's saying, that's not the way I feel about you guys. I'm confident in you. I trust in you. I, I see some spiritual maturity in you. I know you're going to land in the right spot, and that's a really great thing for me to be able to have confidence in you. As your pastor, I hope that you can have confidence in me, amen, that when you bring people to church, I'm not going to embarrass them or <laughs> preach some wacky stuff or get out of... I mean, when I was a young person, how many people were... How many people were here for a long time, like a youth group? Raise your hand, Ricky. Yeah, so remember back in the day, you were afraid to bring people to church, right? You never knew what was going to happen on any given Sunday. It was a little wild back then. You know, who would get up and start screaming in tongues or who would go flying down the aisle or some demon-possessed person in the third row was going to act out? But now... Things are in order to the point where we can bring people to the house of God and know that God's going to touch them. There's some people you bring, well, they ain't never coming back. So I hope that as your pastor and, and where we are in, as a ministry, you can have confidence. And I want to have confidence in you to know that I can trust you to do the right things, that all that's being poured into you is producing fruit, you know, and that mutual confidence is a healthy thing. So that's where Paul leaves off with the Corinthians. It's a good report. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, I just thank you for the word tonight. I thank you for this group of people that's come on a Wednesday just to do the in-depth Bible study and just go deep within the word and pull principles out. Lord, I pray that all of these things will have encouraged us. I'm praying for anyone here tonight that's hurting, that's broken, that's anxious, that has unresolved issues, Lord, I'm praying that the peace of God that passes all understanding would rest upon all of us. God, that we learn to put everything in your hands and to trust you, Lord, and to leave things at your feet, Lord, our burdens that we carry. Lord, I pray that like the Corinthians where we're out of order, that we would be sincere, we would be earnest, and we would be really serious about getting our lives in order so that the blessing that you pour through us can have a ripple effect on all those that are around us. Lord, we need you to use us to touch our friends and our family and our neighbors and our coworkers. We need that spiritual attractiveness that you could look at us and say, I, here's a congregation I can trust. Here's a people I can trust. I can pour out my spirit upon them. I can activate gifts in them. God, let that be true about us. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.